What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. How's it going? Jeremy Rushing here with you alongside, as always, my co-host and contributor to SodaSoccer.com, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jeremy. I've had a, a night full of soccer via uh, the Open Cup, which we'll talk more about. And, and also there was some uh, Libertadores and Sudamericana play tonight. Uh, so my my brain is already full of soccer thoughts, and I look forward to having just just more of them crammed in as we as we talk all things uh, Midwestern soccer. It's another one of those weeks where we look at the notes down and we're like, oh, it won't be too bad. Doesn't seem like you know you know we have a ton. You know, we're this we're overloaded with content. And then we'll about an hour and twenty minutes from now we'll look back and be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we, we record a three hour episode. We'll be like, oh, we'll <laughs> yeah, realize exactly. that. <laughs> Honestly, we could probably go three hours a week if we wanted to, but we uh, could, yeah, probably if, could. if if we had nothing else going on in our lives, if if we didn't have other jobs and other responsibilities, maybe just maybe we could bring you a three hour weekly well, podcast. But God forbid when we get to the part oh, yeah. of the season where teams might have to play twice a week, and then we get that's uh, really interesting. yeah, that's that's going to get a little rough. <laughs> but yeah, we'll you know, see. We're gonna have to figure out a way to uh, to hit on the high points, Dom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah, but... maybe we'll go two episodes a week. Who knows? Uh, uh, maybe we'll see. <laughs> we'll cross that bridge when we get there. That's future yeah. Jeremy and future Dom's problem. We don't Absolutely. have to worry about that right now. We'll just kick that can down the road as long as we possibly can. But yes, we are presented by SodaSoccer.com, your new home for soccer coverage in the North. If you haven't checked us out, please do. SOTASoccer.com. You can also contribute to what we do. We pay every content contributor that comes on board, Dom included. Um, so if you want to help us support that coverage, you can go to Patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. Help us out there. Get some cool early access and bonus content while you're at it um, there on the Patreon. Um, as far as the podcast goes, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review if you have not. You can follow us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Soda, S-O-C. That's S-O-T-A-S-O-C. Dom, um, we have a lot to get to, but I want to start with maybe one of the more hilarious topics in the world of soccer. Um, It's not in the world of Minnesota soccer, but it happened last night in the Open Cup. Uh, Nisa rivals, Michigan, or former Nisa rivals, uh, Michigan Stars, and of course, newly to the USL Championship, Detroit City FC, played in Detroit. And anybody who has even remotely seen a match that happens with Detroit City FC knows that whenever they score, they like to pop the smoke. And the smoke sort of fills the field. It eventually dissipates. You know, nobody complains. Everything's fine. Well, evidently everything wasn't fine. Last night, Dom, as uh, Michigan Stars uh, decided that they were going to take to social media after the match and uh, express the fact that they were, quote unquote, sabotaged by the smoke and the darkness and the smell that filled the field in Detroit after Detroit City scored that first goal. They couldn't see, Dom. They couldn't smell anything but smoke. The darkness surrounded them how could they play soccer in such conditions and of course they give up the second goal shortly after and in a video definitely did not show at all that there was completely clear vision from a defensive standpoint on that goal but alas mm. 
the absolute trauma that the Michigan Stars had to go through last night in Detroit, Dom. My heart breaks. I, uh, yeah, there's a lot that's ridiculous about the situation. I love the inclusion of the word darkness in that complaint because, like, I don't know if I would describe that situation as darkness. And the fact that they did implies that, like, Sauron or Voldemort were, like, brought onto <laughs> the pitch. And, like, like, it doesn't, it's such a strange. To be perfectly frank, I don't I don't associate explosives with darkness. Like I don't well, I don't associate the match like, I don't... took place in the evening, so it was right. dark. But there were there lights. There are lights, obviously. But just just from like a scientific standpoint, if, if smoke is filling the field, right? Yeah, and the lights are reflecting on the smoke, it is not dark in that circumstance. Right. The light is reflecting off of the smoke, thus sort of making more light. It's like on a foggy right. night when you turn your hazards on and all of a sudden you see less than you did before. You can see less in right. front of you than you did before because all you can see is the smoke. It's in exactly a way, you're seeing more. In a way, you're, you're seeing, seeing more. more. You're just perceiving less. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's – look, uh, I have a feeling most of our listeners will be at least vaguely familiar with the history team. These two teams who, of course, have played in the same league for a, a large portion of their respective histories, whether that be the NPSL or, or NISA, obviously uh, Detroit having just left NISA. Uh, and a lot of those people are also going to be aware of a lot of complaints and issues people have with Michigan Stars. Uh, I don't know if we need to go too deep in that because a lot of that's very public already. And there's a lot of people that are a lot closer to Detroit in Michigan soccer that could tell us a lot more about that than, than we can talk about. But um, the, unfortunately the ownership of the stars has, has a history of doing silly things. And uh, you know, they decided that the best way to follow up a three nil loss to their rivals was just to do an incredibly silly thing. Uh, it makes no sense. I mean, we, we were already kind of picking up, picking apart the wording there, but the obvious problem with this complaint is that it somehow implies that the smoke and sound did not affect the Detroit players who yeah. were literally feet away from the Michigan Stars players. Um, that That is probably the most bizarre part of the complaint because it's, it fundamentally seems to not understand like I was going to say physics, but it's not even really physics. It's just like basic laws of reality. <laughs> Maybe Northern uh, Guard supporters are just that good. Maybe they know exactly the direction yes. to incredibly puff the targeted where it really only affects the opposition <laughs> and not their own not their own squad. Yeah, it's a weird one. Like, look, I get that the smoke probably plays into how players are playing. It provides a minor inconvenience. But you can't claim that you are, you know, sabotage is a very specific word, right? Sabotage implies <laughs> a plan to <laughs> undercut. Word an effort by us you know a, per, a person or a group so sabotage would imply that they somehow you know were, were again targeting the stars players which is impossible with something that literally fills up the whole stadium but again it's not sabotage if it's affecting everybody right that's not sabotage you got scored on right after a goal that happens already all the time you know they always say the most dangerous time is after a goal or whatever and yeah the smoke probably affected it a little bit but it affected everybody. It affected the guy that scored the goal. So, I mean, you just got to deal with it. I, did you expect, to your your original point, did you expect there to not be smoke? These teams have been playing in the same league for almost a decade against each other. This is nothing new. 
it's it's bizarre. It's really bizarre. And by the way, the stadium was not full. <laughs> so if they think it was bad at like a probably seventy five to six to, to one two thirds full version of of this, I mean, it gets worse. <laughs> it yeah. gets worse than this, and they know that by the way because they played in a full yeah. uh, uh, keyword stadium. So it's 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 just bizarre it's silly it's doubling it's making their the, them look worse i feel a little bit bad for the players who have to have all this baggage around their performance which they probably weren't happy with either um and yeah what i mean at the i suppose the the silver lining for the michigan stars is they get to stay relevant in u.s open cup discussions for one extra day after getting blasted out of it so good for them i it's, guess it's really Really unfortunate they don't play in the same league now, Dom, because I would love to see yeah. what NGS would do the next time the Stars came to Detroit. I That would have been hilarious. But um, you know what I think I'm going to do now, Dom? I think hmm. the next time the, the next time my fiance is cooking dinner, so we have like the smoke detector right above the, yeah. you know, in a very inconvenient spot where it goes off all the time. Right. Um, next time that happens, I'm just going to stop what I'm doing and hit the ground and claim that I've been sabotaged. You've been by, deeply sabotaged by, by the darkness as well. <laughs> Instead of just saying, oh, that's a minor inconvenience and just going on with my day. Right. Like I normally would, you know, being a, a productive member of society, I'm just going to stop what I'm doing and just hit the ground and just, yeah. just cease to exist at that point. Claim sabotage. Hashtag sabotage. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is what ha- Unfortunately, this is what happens when you get used to hosting games where 20 people show up. So, you know. It's too bad. It's too bad we can't play like licensed music to open the podcast because I would have definitely opened this podcast with Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. But oh, that would have been perfect. Alas, uh, we can't do that. Too bad. But uh, you know, rules and stuff. We'd have to pay the Beastie Boys, which we don't have the budget to do. Uh, we're too busy paying our content creators. Patreon.com/slash/soccer. Hey, if we get like ten thousand Patreons. Maybe we can hit up Beastie Boys and use Sabotage as our as our uh, podcast intro, but that has to be the goal. Ten thousand. That's our Patreon. new extension goal. That's our new extension goal on the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's let's move on and talk about some Minnesota soccer, though, Dom. We'll start as we always do with Minnesota United here. Um, they lose their first game of the season two one at home to Seattle. Um, Sounders goals from Joe Paolo and an own goal, unfortunate own goal from Brent Coleman. Um, Reynoso earns and buries a PK in the 82nd to bring the loons within striking distance probably should have equalized down the stretch as they had uh, more than a few solid opportunities to get that equalizing goal, but goes begging. They dropped that one, two to one. Um, I gave my thoughts on the post loons podcast, which you can find here on the soda soccer podcast feed, um, or check us out on YouTube or Twitter. Just go back in the archives for that. Uh, but Dom, obviously, this is your first time. This is our first time, sort of getting your thoughts and your opinion on the match. What did you think of the of uh, the two one loss on Saturday? Yeah, you know, I, I I thought that the there there were right away some interesting details about the lineup. For example, the fact that um, then Lottie was was starting on the left uh, with Fragapane and Fonwane both on the bench. If my memory suits me, um, that was an interesting talking point right away i know i've been vocal as a dinlati fan i don't know if i was necessarily picturing that being where he would be used so especially yeah. with the options that were healthy enough to be on the bench so that that was already kind of like oh okay that's interesting um 
once the game actually starts getting played, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways what happened was what we were a little concerned would happen when we were talking about um, this uh, in the last episode. Uh, in, in just the sense that I think there were plenty of times or plenty of periods of time where Minnesota United was more or less doing what they were supposed to do, but they didn't necessarily seem to have a plan in terms of counteracting moments of quality from a Seattle side that just have exceptional players. Uh, we talked a lot about Rui Diaz last episode as an example of that that did not end up being necessarily the source of the, of the pain here, but um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't think either of the goals are, are like face palm moments in the sense that, that, that own goal was an unlucky one as most own goals end up being. And uh, the opening goal from Jao Paulo, as he tends to do was like a very, I, I thought was an impressive goal. Um, he tends to do that. Um he's a very dangerous player and he's been a dangerous player for Minnesota United before, which I guess is maybe the, the counterpoint to me saying that that's a, that's a acceptable thing, but um, yeah, it, it's a, it's a tough one. I think we continue to struggle offensively in finding our teeth, finding our claws when we need them. Uh, and, and the fact that a penalty is, is the one way we sneak back into the game. And then, as you said, we kind of miss a chance or two that probably should have gone into to get us a point here. Uh, that's a rough one. It's a continuation of the same problem we've been having. Uh, and, you know, defensively, uh, a lot of a lot of moments to be criticized. I do think the, 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 the umbrella over all this that probably is worth noting is this is the team's first loss of the season. And it was against mm. a team that everyone agrees is pretty good. They're, they're just, as we're recording, they're taking the lead in the first leg of the CONCACAF uh, uh, Champions League. Um, semifinal that they have with uh, NYCFC. This is a good team. They started the year badly, but um, clearly very talented. So uh, there's plenty to criticize for what happened uh, against Seattle, but I, I, I do think that at the same time, it is, again, worth noting that it's taken up to this type of challenge for the yeah. team to drop points this way. That is not a horrible thing. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's my, my broad takeaways. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at 9th Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at 9th. Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at 9thStreetMPLS.com.
Yeah, I mean, yeah. we talk about the the, the four match comparison compared to the first four matches of last year, right? I mean, teams in a much yeah. more advantageous position, eight points um, as opposed to zero. So that's good. Um, there were a couple of things, though, as you mentioned, with the decision to put Dunlady on the left. You have to wonder if that was just sort of a maybe a decision with with Bongi coming back from international duty to maybe just give him a little bit of rest to start the game, strategically bring him in in the second half. Um, but there was another glaring omission in Kervin Ariaga. And this is interesting, Dom, because we talked last week and there had been reports that because he had uh, he was unavailable for Honduras's last qualifier in that cycle that he was coming back to Minnesota early because if he's not going to be available, why would he stay? Right. Come back to Minnesota, get yourself ready. Well, evidently he got back after Joseph Rosales did. And Rosales started, played, started and played a majority of that final qualifier on Wednesday. Very interesting circumstances. So obviously Ariaga did not make that trip back to Minnesota early. Like we, we presumed he would, not sure if that was a personal decision on his part to, to stay home, um, stay with his national team that maybe he doesn't get to spend a lot of time with. Not sure the intricacies of that decision. Just very, very interesting. And obviously, when you look 2020 hindsight at the match, a very glaring omission that Minnesota United could could have really used on Saturday against a team like Seattle. Yeah, and the other just just to, to the other point and all that is that Rosales ended up playing the second half of this game, <laughs> so yeah. uh, so you know even with his shorter timeline, he ended up being uh, completely available. Um, yeah, uh, you know again, same as as you. I don't know all the details of why Ariaga's travel went the way it did. Um, that being said, I, I agree that he was a huge miss. I think anytime he's not available is going to be a huge miss for this team, particularly against a uh, dangerous opposition like Seattle. Uh, I, I do think that this really showed, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about who should be starting in, in, in those two midfield positions. I think this was a, a, a stark reminder or realization moment of, um, answering those questions and and making it clear that Ariaga very much needs to be part of that conversation week in week out. Not that Dotson and Trap were like solely responsible for how things went, but it, it became pretty clear pretty quickly that things would have been a lot better if Ariaga had been uh, been in there. So, uh, in on the one hand, it's uh, reassuring to it, not reassuring, but it, it reinforces how important he is which I suppose is a good thing. Uh, the bad mm-hmm. part, of course, is that he was not there. And so um, we pot- potentially lost points because of it. Yeah, I don't want to get kind of hot takey here, but I feel like he could have and probably should have been back in time to be available from my personal standpoint. I'm not sure. Again, not yeah. sure what was going on. Could been Could be a personal thing that we don't know about. But from the information we have, for me, there's no reason why he shouldn't be back in time for that if he's unavailable for Honduras, his final qualifier. But anyways, let's move on to another piece that we did not see on Saturday. And this has sort of become the running conversation here. Um, you're chasing a goal in the second half and you leave your DP striker on the bench in Adrian Anu. Um, Rinse and repeat, right? Um, Jacob Schneider, our own Jacob Schneider at Soda Soccer asked a very poignant, very direct question to Adrian Heath in the postgame presser about this decision. And um, he, he actually sort of played off a, an answer that 
Keith had mentioned about Seattle's expensive roster and how sort of that makes helps make them a, a dominant team in the league. Um, and Jacob sort of played off that saying, hey, you have an expensive player on your bench, bench and Adrian are new. And he basically asked him what went into not bringing him into the game when you needed a goal. And here's Adrian Heath's answer. I'm going to just directly quote here from Jacob's tweet. It says, quote, well, I think that changes the way – I think that the changes that we made certainly helped. Second half, we were a lot better. We were probably the better team in the second half. So I didn't want to disrupt it because I thought after we got one, we were going to get another one, end quote. Jacob then followed up, asking if there was any update on Unu's status in the pecking order. And he said, quote, if he keeps training, his opportunity will come like it is for everybody, end quote. Dom, your sort of initial reaction to that quote from Heath. I, I uh, one thing that I think is a little odd um, is uh, you. There was a part of the of of his first answer where I said something along the lines something along the lines of I think he said uh, once we got the first one I thought we were going to score again or something like that. Um, first goal was in the eighty second minute. It was a penalty. So uh, that. D- <laughs> When you have substitutions left and you make it 2-1 in the 82nd minute, that doesn't feel like a time to show patience. Mm-hmm. That seems like a very, with all due respect, silly thing to do. So I, I don't quite, and, you know, obviously he's answering the question, you know, in person, on, on off the yeah. cuff. Maybe that's a wording thing a little bit, and it's not. You well, know, this is also Adrian. But, this is also a, a bit of a pattern with Adrian Heath, where he's if if he feels that the run of the game is advantageous for the Loons, he is not going to make any changes at all, right? So if he yeah. if he feels like things are going their way, and even though they're chasing a goal, if the flow of the game is trending in their direction, whether whether we agree with that feeling or not he is going to stick with the personnel that he has on the field yeah. and the tactics that he is u- utilizing on the field. It's just a matter of whether or not we agree that the flow was actually trending enough in their direction to keep your DP striker on the bench. Right. That's a whole nother layer. It also means the other thing again, and, and again, this is a little bit of like semantic stuff, but so he's saying that he likes the flow of the game and that's why he wasn't bringing on this other strike option. That means, though, he's not just making that decision for eight minutes at the end. He's making that decision for 90 minutes or, well, 82 minutes plus 90 plus the eight. So 90. But that means that in the 81st minute or the 80th minute, when we're losing 2-0, he likes the flow of the game enough to not bring on Unu. Because he's kind of explaining it away, but in a way that makes no sense. Because we get that penalty I mean, he, at the end. He does say, one of the quotes is, he thought they were the better team in the second half. I have to imagine that would mean for a vast majority of the second half. Yeah. Not so just he thought losing 2-0 with 10 goal. minutes left was being the better team and that they didn't need to change anything. Again. That doesn't make any sense. No. I mean, I, 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 I completely sense, agree but... with you, Dom. I, I think yeah. if there was ever a time, if there was ever a time to 
give this guy a shot, who was your second leading goal scorer last year, by the way. This is this is the whole thing. It's like because Adrian Nunu only scored seven goals, he's trash. Like that is all <laughs> that's like the leap right. that is made. Right. It's just not like yeah. It's not fair. Like, I don't want to necessarily like speak on behalf of who knew and like, you know, be the the Adrian who knew stand here. But like <laughs> there's sort of there, there's 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 a there's a rope that you get, right? You get some rope. Right. Adrian who knew has not done nearly enough for that rope to be completely pulled from him. No, no. Yeah, no. He by by no means. I mean, to be perfectly frank, I don't even know if he's had enough time to do anything to have had enough chances like i mean even last season there was a period of time where he wasn't playing like he's he hasn't really had like a full run ever so yeah by no means has he had even enough time to screw up to lose all the seven goals from mid-june to the end of the season yeah yeah you know that's that's you're missing the first two months of the year at that point because they started in mid-may last year right so that's two months where he wasn't and and also I was looking up, I was just looking through Twitter today and somebody sort of reposted the highlights from Minnesota United's from his home debut last year. He scored two goals in his home debut last year. So it's just like there were glimpses of of what we thought we would get from who knew. It's just giving him the opportunity to prove himself. And we're not in training, so we don't see maybe if there's a lack of performance, energy, you know, whatever from him specifically to be in this position. But I feel like you got to let, you have to let your designated player prove their spot for better or worse. Yeah. You have to put them out there. And if they, if they game in game out are a non-factor, okay. You've proven yourself. Correct. Congratulations you get to now play the personnel the way that you maybe originally wanted to. Right. But with $2.6 million invested in this guy, which for MLS, for people who might not understand the full context of MLS salaries and contracts, that is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the top 25, maybe even top 20% of contracts league-wide. You got to let him dictate his role by his own performance not by what you presume that performance is going to be and that's just my personal opinion on the matter obviously i'm not an mls coach i'm not an mls manager hell i barely know soccer tactics as it is but it just i don't understand why especially in this situation you're he's he's not given the chance to yeah to i think um, and, and do what he does like it's just uh this yeah makes sense i just my final note on this will be i i i agree with everything you're saying there my my alternate alternative problem of, uh, or view of the problem is 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 this i i completely agree with what you're saying about like you gotta get the chance and all that stuff also on the side and I, this isn't, I, I have no, you know, we have no insight into why, you know, mentally he's not being played, why that choice is being made. But I would rather, here's what I would say. I, 
the answer that was given makes little enough sense to me that it feels like it's not true. And that's conjecture. That's opinion. That's just, that's conjecture. But that's how silly it is to me. Because it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And that leaves me feeling, why wouldn't you, you should just say whatever is happening. Because giving that kind of answer looks so much worse. Because as you pointed out, we are not geniuses. <laughs> we are not soccer geniuses. We're not award-winning coaches. And, and to be perfectly frank, that, that night, and then I'd say I was very busy with some other stuff. I did not see that tweet from Jacob. I did not know he said that until you said it just now. It took me 10 seconds to find the problems with that logic. It took me moments, moments to find the problem with that logic. Uh, there are people a lot smarter than me at this sport, and I, I bet it took them even less time. So you can't, I mean, what, what, would, what did you get out of giving that answer? Because either you think it's true, which is maybe worse, or you know that simply doesn't make any sense. Uh, that, that's just, I don't know. That's really bizarre to me. That's a really bizarre way to react to a situation that probably has a more straightforward answer that isn't being, I don't know. So I, that, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> We've talked about the stats from last year on this podcast about when Adrian Anu was in the lineup versus when he was not. Um, spoiler alert, the team scored marginally more goals with him in the lineup than, than without. Um, I think we can all agree that the best this team looked last season was when he was up top with Franco, Ray, and Robin. Yeah. Yep. Again, I he doesn't have to start. I'm not back on the Adrian Anu should be starting train, but good grief. Like, should be playing. Yeah. Should be playing. Probably significantly. Yeah. At this point, because we have not seen this goal-scoring onslaught that would warrant him to continue to not get the opportunity to play. If if Amaria, if Dunlady, if Franco, if if Bongi, if Ray, if Robin, if they were just pumping in goals left and right, and this team was averaging three or four goals a game, they were right up there with Austin and LA and whatever with double-digit goals right now. Then you'd say, okay. Were the, the attack is good. Maybe, maybe we don't need to change anything. That is not the case. This team has scored one goal in each of their matches. That is not better than none. They've gotten results, but it's far from ideal. And I think it's far from what we expected and anticipated to see the way this roster has been constructed. Yeah. All that to say. What do you lose by bringing Adrian Unu in? At the very least, if you take out everything that we have just talked about and just put it in this context, what do you have to lose by putting him in, especially in a 2-0 game? Nothing. Yeah. I I said this probably like, I think it was either the last episode or the episode before, but... um... But I'll say it again, or I'll say it in a different way again. If I had known in preseason that our striker depth would result in one of those strikers randomly getting slotted at left wing for some reason, and then the other one not playing at all, I wouldn't have been so excited about our striker depth. Like, the, 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 this isn't striker depth. It's just one guy playing. 
it was just one guy playing and then another guy getting a little bit of time every now and then with Ben Lottie, but out of position often. Uh, that's not striker depth. So I, I, it, it's a weird one. It's a weird one, and I don't understand it. We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let him know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Let's move move on uh but actually we're gonna kind of move on but kind of not move on because there was actually another interesting uh development in the adrian anew um topic that he actually requested and rightfully so uh to get some playing time on the reserve squad um he requested this weekend in the skc2 match to you know be on the roster and get a little bit of time Evidently, there's a certain, I guess you have to have your roster solidified a certain amount of time uh, before ahead of the game. Uh, they were kind of in that, in that the window had closed by the time they had sort of kind of walked down that path. So he wasn't able to get on the roster. Um, so we'll see if that changes at all. And if we see Adrian Anu at least on him in UFC 2 through the rest of the season. But I on, on, on a positive note, at least this is sort of the thing that MNUFC2 could bring you. Even if we beat the drum all day long and talk to her blue in the face about the time that these guys should be getting on the main roster, at least now they, op- they have the opportunity to get on the field and get some a- actual meaningful minutes on the reserve side. Right. Yeah, there, there's – um, there's definitely a positive like, – like one of the things I take away from that bit of news – is that it shows that he is interested in playing, mm-hmm. right? So He's that right away, that right away removes a theory, right? That removes a theory mm-hmm. out of the bowl. So we know that he clearly, and he's interested enough in playing that he would be willing to go play at a level that is clearly not his level. In right? front of 700 people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that is that removes the theory that this is somehow like him not wanting to be involved, which is, I think, good to know. Um, and, it, and and it's good in the sense that, you know, I would, as, as odd of a situation that would be, having him play an MLS Nets pro, it does allow a way for, if he eventually does get MLS minutes, for him not to suddenly get subbed into a game and be just cold as it gets in terms of uh, play, right? Because if five games from now if he doesn't play mls nets pro and then five games from now he finally gets in for 15 minutes he's probably not going to do anything because he's going to be so rusty 
Um, obviously, he's a professional and he's very talented, but even the best, I mean, you see at the best league levels, you know, a player that doesn't get minutes for a long time and then they suddenly have a chance, they often don't perform that well. Yeah. Um, so there's some positives there. But the fact that it's we're in a situation where a person on his wages and his situation is like asking for this, it, it does further make it all strange to me. It does, and so again, I, I I feel I have more questions than answers. <laughs> and it seems like there might be a lack of foresight here. And I don't want to speak necessarily out of turn or out of context, but it seems like there might be a lack of foresight from the the roster management side. That if if you've sort of made the decision that even in a two nil game you're not going to go to Adrian Anu, why yeah. is he not sort of on that short list of guys that is going to play for the second squad? Right. right. Why would you not want him to get that time, to get that playing right. time, to keep his feet, to gain some confidence, to show you something? Right. Right. It, yeah, it's it weird. Seems it, just a little, wasn't... it seems a little, little trying to find the right word. Like ignorant is a strong word. So I'm not sure. going to use that word, but right. like a lot, like a, a toned down version of that. Like it's not ignorance. But it's there's just a lack of foresight there that I feel like yeah. if, a little this, if he's not your guy and you've yeah. established that he's not a guy you can you feel comfortable going to in that situation and even that situation, then he's probably a guy you need to have ready to play in the reserve squad. Right. Like to get minutes. Yeah. It's a little odd too, because I recall um at least for the first game, uh I I don't think he ended up being I don't think he ended up playing, but he was at least at, su- supposed to be involved with with the the squad. Uh, Denladi was, I recall, being reported by the team and 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 Jacob and others that Denladi was part of that group that was sent at least for the first game to kind of prep with the team. Again, I don't think he actually ended up playing in the in the game in North Texas, but so why is the guy that is playing in the first team going? <laughs> Why, like, what that doesn't make any sense. He's playing in MLS right now. He's playing all the time. He just started a game, and he was playing as a sub a couple of times before that. Why is he going? Like, that doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense. Why that does, Why would you do that? So, it, yeah, I don't know. Again, questions, no answers. <laughs> no answers. A lot of questions. A lot of questions. And um, maybe we'll get some of those answered uh, as we move further. But anyways, MNUFC 2 did fall to Sporting Kansas City 2-2-0 on Sunday at Allianz. Um, our own John John Marthaler and Jacob Schneider were actually there on site, actually, on a cold, rainy, snowy Sunday afternoon. Um, 700 plus showed up for the game. Um, you know, probably weather related, why that might not have been more. Probably also related to the fact that there was a first team match literally the night before that um, on a Saturday night. So we'll have to see if there's a more advantageous time slot, better weather moving forward, kind of what those attendance numbers uh, looked like. Um, but um, moving on to the next match for that main squad, for the first squad, they're back at it Sunday against Austin FC. Um, of course, the new home of native Minnesotan and former loon Ethan Finley. Um, they won 5-0 and 5-1 respectively in those first couple matches, but have since come back down to earth a little bit. Um, three, or excuse me, a 1-0 loss to Portland, 1-1 draw with Seattle, and 2-2 draw with San Jose in their last three matches. Even after all that, though, still tied with LAFC for most goals in the league with 13. 
Um, and individually, Sebastian Giussi is the is the guy to stop in the attack. He's got four goals, two assists, um, and a guy that puts a lot of shots on. Ten shots, six on target. So he's obviously a guy to look out for. Um, not the best defensive effort we have seen from this back line from Minnesota um, against Seattle. But the sample size shows that this is a team. This is a team that defensively um, can provide some quality, and they are going to need every bit of that to uh, keep keep Austin off the board and give this sort of sputtering attack a chance to uh, to get something on the board and hold something on on Sunday. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is a good time to be playing Austin. I think um, they they the train has slowed, so I, I I think that it's certainly a better time to play them than the first or uh, first to third games of the season when, as, as you noted, they were on fire, albeit against weaker teams. But even if you're not a weak team, if you fall in the middle of all that, sometimes it can go against you. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you could argue the same thing goes for Minnesota because we just suffered the first loss. But uh, I, I still think this is a better time to be facing Austin. Um, and it is a, a, a a very approachable team, I think, to look for a bounce back. So, you know, all that said, I, I do think that there's ways for this to turn into a very fortunate situation for the Loons. Uh, but it's a it's a dangerous team. Like you said, they, they know how to score goals, particularly when they kind of find their momentum within a singular game. Uh, they tend to really harvest off of that momentum. So, uh, you know, much like, I suppose, this is kind of like a conversation we had with, like, the Red Bulls. Uh, going to be a game where it's really important for the loons to start quick, start very awake, uh, not get, not concede within like the first 15 minutes um, and, and sort of give Austin, you know, the shark smell the blood kind of situation. Um, and as long as that doesn't happen, as long as defensively the team is, is, is well, well constructed, well playing, in those first 15, 20 minutes, I think there's going to be plenty of chances for the attack, whatever it looks like, uh, to, to to score on an Austin team that is showing that it's starting to get a lot more porous than it was in those first couple of games. Uh, so, you know, I think there's plenty to be optimistic about uh, on uh, on this matchup. But uh, but it definitely can be a really big momentum swinger for either way. A win kind of erases the, the sins of the past, if you will. Uh, if a loss would, would, would potentially make uh, the last couple of weeks seem a little worse. So uh, not a historically, uh, not, not a historyed matchup, but a matchup that uh, I think the loons need to definitely work very hard to get something out of. Anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that I, I usually take an optimistic route with this Minnesota team and their prospects and their chances I don't necessarily like to contribute to some of the 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 the, the Twitter vitriol that that, that you see, um, but this team hasn't shown me that they can score more than one goal in a match. And at this point, why should I believe that they can score more than <laughs> one goal? Uh, at this point, right? That's yeah. kind of where I am. You got to prove it to me before I believe it. Uh, it's kind of what I say to my kids when they say they're going to do something. I'm like, don't don't tell me. Show me. Like, don't tell me you're going <laughs> right. to clean your room. Show me you're going to clean your room, right? right? Don't tell me you're capable of scoring more than a goal. Go and score more than one goal. Right. Um, right. So that's kind of where I am. And I also don't think you're going to keep Austin off the board. So that's where I guess the lack of optimism comes in for me right now is I don't think I don't think they can put a crooked number up and I don't think they can keep a clean sheet either. 
uh, the way this right. Austin attack's going, because even with it sputtering, they still scored a pair against San Jose. Um, they still got a late equalizer against Seattle. Um, so we will see. Uh, but to me, they will have to keep a clean sheet if they want to win, um, the way I look at it. So that's where I am. Again, uh, to your point, though, Dom, it is a good opportunity for a bounce back. No better time than the present. If you can get a result on the road, if you can score more than, more than a goal, get a couple goals and maybe come away with a 2-1 win or even a 2-2 draw, um, I think there'll be some confidence in that. But to me, this has like 1-1 one, one draw written, written yeah. all over it, you know? Like yeah. I will be surprised if it's not a one-one draw, uh, <laughs> personally. But at the same time, you know this—it's a long season, and and this team I think deserves the opportunity to to show that they can evolve and and sort of take those next steps. So we will see if they can do so. Um, but either way, it should be an interesting one. I'm, I think there's going to be a good amount of of road support for the Loons. Austin is kind of becoming a uh, a bit of a destination. Uh, for the uh, for the away matches or for the uh, away schedule, if you will, for some of the traveling supporters, and rightfully so. Awesome city in Austin, awesome stadium atmosphere. Um, so definitely, um, you know, really, really jealous. Everybody's going to be going, to be honest. Uh, but it, it's a good opportunity, Dom. I just don't know if my optimism is there. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, I mean, just to build off what you're saying, the, the other thing that's important to keep in mind about, like, what's at stake, I guess, with this is, uh, you know, the schedule's going to start uh, tightening up a little bit soon. Um, one of the reasons being uh, the, the one of the themes of tonight, which is that Minnesota United will be entering the Open Cup soon. They're in the next round uh, automatically. Uh, and that uh, those games are supposed to be, I believe, um, like April 19th through the 21st or 22nd, some, somewhere around mm-hmm. there. Um, so a couple weeks. Uh, you know, that first match will, it looks like probably be, well, it ha- the MLS teams have to draw a lower division team this year. So it will be against a, yeah. probably a USL championship or a USL League One team, which means it's going to be a more approachable matchup. But the point of me, why I'm bringing all that up is simply just to reiterate that this next month, two months, we're going to start seeing things becoming a lot quicker, a lot more rapid, a lot more going on, whether that be mm-hmm. league games, open cup fixtures, et cetera. And um, it, all the things we've talked about so far become even more relevant. Rotation, who's playing, who's not playing, yeah. um, getting a result, getting a result uh, on the road against a team like Austin before that happens can be really important. It's going to be a lot tougher to do those sorts of things once you're playing constantly. So getting what you can before that fog sets in, uh, you know, could be really important long-term for how the table looks for, for Minnesota United. So hopefully they, uh, they find a, a good solution to all that. But that is something to keep in mind that right now this sort of once a week week off situation the team's been in that's not what it's going to be like for the next couple of months uh and they're going to have to get used to a very different pace so something to keep in mind yeah building that that point equity so to speak is uh is is pretty crucial right now before we hit that uh hit that big stretch when open cup play starts to happen and then you get further into the summer and you're just playing midweek league matches right so um yeah we'll see we'll see how Minnesota United navigates those waters 
Uh, but obviously that starts this Sunday. Um, they're going to need a good performance if they want to get a result against this Austin team on the road. Um, I believe 7 o'clock is the kickoff time over there on Bally. Um, so, um, and we'll have post, <clears throat> excuse me, post loons, of course, coming your way after the match as well. Taking a quick water break here to tell you about our good friends over at Stimulus Athletic. And when I say friends, I 100% mean Jason Mora has been supporting 10,000 pitches since its infancy in the summer of 2020. And he's continuing to provide us that support with SodaSoccer.com. And I'm proud to say he's become a good, good friend of mine. Jason used his experience as a pro all over the country, including right here at Minnesota United, to help him launch a company that can provide quality game gear and apparel at affordable prices to clubs and teams at all levels. This is a Minneapolis-based company doing great things for local, nationwide, and even worldwide clubs. Minneapolis City, Joy Athletic, Vlora, Dynamo St. Cloud, Tulsa Athletic, the American Outlaws, and even the Anguian national team all use Stimulus to outfit their club with the jerseys, game gear, and apparel they need. And Stimulus can do the same for you and your club as well. It's pretty simple. Just head to StimulusAthletic.com, start a conversation with their amazing team, and let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's StimulusAthletic.com. Uh, moving on, you mentioned Open Cup, and we will get to that with Forward Madison in just a second. But first, they played their first league game in USL League One over last weekend. Um, Nazim Bartman scored a last-minute equalizer, 90 plus five. Um, he was off, he came in off the bench in the second half, ended up being a great move as Madison salvages a 1-1 draw at Chattanooga. Um, for reference, the Red Wolves of Chattanooga finished third in the league last year. Um, they were one of they, they were you know near or at the top of the table for a majority of the season last year. So that's a pretty quality team to go on the road and get a point against to start the season and to do so in dramatic fashion, obviously, um, is very, very positive for the Mingos. And then they followed that up tonight as we're recording on Wednesday night, beating Cleveland SC 3-0 in the second round of the Open Cup behind goals from Justin Suko, Cesar Murillo, and the aforementioned Nazim Bartman. Um, and then their home opener this weekend in league play is against uh, Union Omaha, who um, also beat Des Moines Menace on Tuesday night in the Open Cup, 2-1. to one. Really, really good performance from Des Moines following up that win over Minneapolis City. So um, the Open Cup continues. Obviously, a lot of local flavor there uh, with Ford Madison and then Minnesota United get in the mix. Um, but a positive start for the Mingos with that late draw against Chattanooga and a pretty dominant Open Cup performance on Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very, very quick. Cleveland, not one of them. A very quick shout out to the cup sets so far, which were St. Louis City 2, which is like half a cup set because technically that's like almost MLS. It, it, that team's a weird. But uh, St. Louis City 2, uh, North Carolina Fusion, uh, Central Valley, Fuego, and uh, who just did it? Someone just did it. And I'm blanking now. Um... Oh, uh, Motown. FC Motown um shout out to them uh yeah for madison you know overall i think two results that that help build momentum you obviously would like to win on the road you would like to not draw one one uh you know in any game but uh you can sometimes actually learn more as a team and grow more mentally from a game like this one one draw where you stay in it till the end you grab sort of this epic last minute equalizer you, you remind yourself that regardless of the, of the situation, you can figure things out in a game. Um, like you said, 
it's also a tough team to play. So it's, it's you know, at a certain point, you expect maybe not much more than a point uh, on the road there. So in that sense, I think there's plenty of pauses. Obviously, it's first game, too. So there's a lot to still be decided um, about the table. And then you followed up with a, a very clean win over a, a good Cleveland side that, you know, I think yeah. was was not expected to to to, to win this game, uh, particularly, again, because it's hard for MPSL teams this early in the season or in the year, rather, to, to be ready for this kind of matchup. But, you know, it's still a good team. It's a historically good team over many years. So uh, a, a pretty clean performance from Madison, 3-0, uh, you know, pr- relatively dominant Um I, I, good for Bartman, you know, to, to get two goals in those two games. Yeah. Um, not necessarily getting a lot of minutes behind those goals, but making the most of his time, uh, that that's gotta be a, a great boost for him, perhaps, uh, changing minds about his, uh, place in depth. Um, or maybe not, but, uh, certainly helpful for him. And, and yeah, uh, just a good start for the team. Madison will, you know, assumingly be playing a much bigger club than Cleveland, uh, SC in the next round. Uh, I don't necessarily know if that would be Minnesota United. It could be. Uh, it could be Chicago. It could be uh, uh, Detroit. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, gives them another exciting match to look forward to and and keeps them positive, I think, probably for that home opener heading, heading uh, our way. Yeah, we'll see what that draw looks like for the next round. But I think one thing to take some confidence in, if you're a Ford Madison fan, is League One teams have been competing very well with championship sides so far in the yeah. Open Cup. We saw it last night or on Tuesday night. You mentioned Central Valley Fuego in League One just demolishing El Paso. Wild. Like That was an absolute wire-to-wire, whistle-to-whistle demolition of a team that's higher on the, on the, on the, on the pyramid than you, right? Yeah. Um, just very, very good to see and um, you know, that was sort of my determining factor on how far a team like Ford Madison would go is how, how close are league one and championship, right? Right. Like how, how do we make that determination? Well, without the open cup, it's really tough to make that differentiation. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had three years now without the open cup and three years that league one is sort of evolved and we've seen the play, the, the, the quality of play in league one grow year after year. Now in their, I believe their third season, um, so we haven't, but we haven't had the chance to see how that stacks up with a team with a league like the championship. Well, right. we're starting to see with some of these results early on that maybe they're pretty even. Yeah, maybe. Um, so I think that's something to take potential confidence in. That is, if it is a championship side that you're paired up against in the next round for Madison. Um, you know the way things have gone so far. You know, doesn't necessarily mean you can't you can't do it. And I believe uh, for Madison did beat a, a championship side or two in 2019 uh, in that run that they had yep. in the Open Cup. I believe um, they beat so El Paso. Yeah, they did beat El Paso. El Paso just not having good yeah. luck with League One clubs in the Open Cup. No. I'll tell you what. But <laughs> um, either way, um, you know. Could 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 be a potential run in yeah. the works for Madison if if League One and Championship continue to kind of sort of be a little bit more equal than maybe we originally thought. Yeah, and and tonight, uh, you you know the 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 Fuego result obviously was a, a bit of a jaw dropper. That was a four one win, three zero at halftime against El Paso. But even tonight, as we're recording, there were two League One sides that lost against Champion sides by one goal. So Louisville beat Chattanooga one zero, and uh, Rio Grande beat uh, North Carolina two one. So. 
even in the losses, we've seen very tight results. North Carolina, I know, also led their game for a considerable portion. Um, mm. So, yeah, again, just to your point, you're seeing, uh, and actually I'm watching right now, uh, the switchbacks and North Colorado, Northern Colorado, whatever that is called, um, are 0-0. It's about to be the end of regulation time. So um, you're seeing a lot of close matchups. So, yeah, again, if they get, like, let's say Detroit, as long as they're not sabotaged, uh, Ford Madison, I imagine, <laughs> will will you know be feeling like hey maybe maybe we can do this you know uh, all our all our com- compatriots are doing it so uh, maybe we have a chance here and 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 you know they can feel that way against an MLS side too of course but against a championship side it feels you know there's more belief there probably so yeah, yeah very competitive very competitive absolutely all right and that would be actually a really great draw uh, Madison that'd be Detroit. a wild one yeah that would be awesome but anyways moving on I digress um, moving down to the lower league now, Minnesota Aurora unveiling their 2022 kit this weekend at Mall of America in the atrium there. Very, very cool. Um, Saturday, 11 a.m., Apple Music host Nada will be hosting the event, and DJ Izzy P, who is a local DJ, uh, will be the musical guest as well. So, um, you know, if uh, I believe Cassidy Sibniski, who is the mastermind behind a lot of the Ford Madison kits that we have grown to know and love over the years, um, sort of spearheaded this effort with the Minnesota Aurora kit. So, I mean, expectations are pretty high and they're hosting a pretty, uh, pretty spectacular event here to unveil it. So I'm very, very interested to see what this looks like Dom. Yeah. I mean, they keep, they keep showing a lot of ambition, obviously getting some, some great talent around this event. Um, and like you said, there's, there's a lot of hype even behind the design because of, the, uh, I guess the heritage, the design heritage that's coming into this kit. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen with the other merchandise and the logo and banners and things like that, that they've had a really great style so far. So, the, yeah, I, I, I think there's no reason to to not expect something great. Uh, you know, the color scheme they've got, the, the, the themes that they've got are all things that I feel like could add up to a great, a great kit. So... Again, um, looking forward to seeing what it looks like, and hopefully a, a nice crowd shows up for this event, which obviously they're putting a lot of effort into, which is also great. Um, not necessarily something that happens for for every team at this sort of level. So, uh, yeah, just just encouraging again to see more enthusiasm, more investment, and more effort uh, behind this team. Absolutely. Um, moving over to the men's side now, Joy Athletic announced Gabriel Eduarte, who is a Joy the People homegrown and Emmanuel College commit, and Emmanuel Chitaye, who is a player from St. Louis Park, um, a local kid there, as their kind of newest signings for the upcoming NPSL North season. Uh, Dakota Fusion announced four D1 players and one D2 player. Um, and that's, uh, you know, something that, you know, I think Dakota wasn't necessarily happy with where they finished in the NPS on North table last year. Um, so obviously doing some things to try to improve that with the quality of players that they're bringing onto the roster. Um, Antonio Lagamba from Siena college, Noah Boyce from Manhattan college, um, Valentin Klebe from Presbyterian college, um, Nidrin Maloku from Presbyterian college as well. Um, and then the D two player is Kenshiro Yamaguchi from Davis and Elkins college. So, um, for Dakota specifically, this is interesting, bringing in obviously some quality, quality talent to try to compete in the NPSL North um, after a, a disappointing season. Uh, I think objectively speaking, you can say last season was pretty disappointing for Dakota. So it'll be interesting to see kind of 
how they compete this year with some of that quality talent they're bringing in. Yeah, it's funny. The, those, those two different headlines are very uh, different in the sense that the, the Joy Athletic one, like those two guys sound like Joy Athletic players. <laughs> like those two guys are like, I, I would just randomly guess those guys are Joy Athletic players. They fit the bill completely. Uh, yeah. These signings, as you alluded to, are a little different from what we've been uh, getting used to recently for the Fusion. Uh, like you said, you know, I imagine that they weren't super happy with how 2021 went. And and also 2019 was, was you know, not a great year for them. Uh, dropping, they dropped quite a few points to teams who would expect them to beat. Um, and so clearly they're trying to go a different direction. You know, we've, we've talked a little bit about uh, before about how, you know, they're bringing Sam Winning in as a new head coach. And uh, they actually also brought a new assistant coach as well. Um, so, you know, it just seems like there's a little bit of a change of direction. It's important for people to remember People who have just watched like the last two or three years of the MPL Sun North are obviously very used to a certain hierarchy, which is that Minneapolis City usually wins, and then like Duluth and Med City are kind of somewhere in the second, third place battle. Um, people in that situation then will probably not realize that the, at the beginning, the Kodoma Fusion were one of the best teams in the MPL North. Yeah. Uh, they finished second in 2017, which was the first season, which is why they were in the Open Cup in 2018. They became the first. Uh, North Dakotan team in in known history. There might potentially be something from a long time ago that people didn't record properly, but came the first North Dakotan team to play in the Open Cup and as far as records can reflect. Uh, they lost that game to Duluth, but uh, that 2017 into 2018 period and also actually before when they were, there's another team called FC Fargo, which kind of turned into Dakota Fusion. Um, those teams were fantastic. I mean, they were incredibly competitive. So they got a little bit lost, I think, in their growth of the game at this level talent got a little better. And I think they fell behind a little bit and all that they've clearly decided to change that. Uh, and they're, they're bringing guys in that, I mean, they're D one. So that kind of speaks for itself. There's a lot of teams in the NPL, NPSL North, even the really good ones that have very few, if any D one players. So, uh, this is, this is definitely a statement for them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that team that is, Kind of been perennially at the top of the MPSL North, Minneapolis City, signs uh, Nils Gubranson, uh, Nathan Straits, Xavier Zengue, uh, Wes Lawrence, and Bernard Asibi Rule um, to their squad for uh, 2022 um, USL League 2 and PSL North. It'll be interesting to see kind of where these, where these names fall. But, you know, a few new names now for the Crows in addition to a lot of the returners that they're bringing back for this upcoming season. So we were kind of wondering what that, what that balance is going to be like. Obviously they've kind of stuck to their guns in terms of having a majority of those guys back and giving those traditional Minneapolis city players, the opportunity to compete at this higher level. But you also have to bring in as Matt Van Benskoten has said, you also have to bring in new talent if you're in a new league and they're doing that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one, one guy I'll just narrow in on because I have a, a little bit of, of something to, to say or think about with, with him is, is uh, Bernard, um, Asibe Rule. Uh, he plays for Green Bay, University of Green Bay. And, uh, you know, I, I saw some, some players that I know from the MPSL North, uh, very excited for him to join, not Minneapolis City players, actually. Um, uh, one that comes to mind is Ivan Adika, is a former Duluth FC player who uh, played for the Twin Stars in 2019. He's actually uh, announced he's going to play for them this year as well. Um, he was like kind of hyping up this move and I saw some other people hyping up this move. So it sounds like this is a guy that a lot of talent appears familiar with and they're really excited about him coming to this level and uh, plays for, you know, uh, University of Green Bay produce a lot of good players. They're not like a, 
like obviously like a national superpower that everyone knows, but they actually produce just a lot of great talent at this level and, and occasionally at a higher level. So uh, I have a feeling based on all that, that he's going to be a guy to watch, but we'll have to see how, how all these people fare. Absolutely. Uh, Wapassel announced their 2022 season and schedule. The newest team in Wapassel, Union Eau Claire. So joining Bateau um, as uh, the second Eau Claire team in the Wapassel, um, the Wisconsin Primary Amateur Soccer League. Um, and Hayward United, who has been one of the sort of top teams in the Wapassel over this, it's their first few years, they were the regular season um, sort of, uh, if you want to call it a supporter shield, whatever, um, <laughs> yeah. they, they had the top record of the regular season, finished top of the table uh, before following to Bateau in the championship game um, of the playoffs last year. Um, but they um, have announced the Hayward Recreational Soccer League, which is really cool. Um, you see some teams do this where they try to sort of um, implement some sort of youth team setup um, under that senior team umbrella. Um, but this is going to be a full-on soccer league. This is not just a youth side that'll compete in some some youth league. Um, they are sort of implementing a full rec soccer league in Hayward and the surrounding area, which is very, very cool to see. Kind of similar to the Futures program, but I think a little bit more um, youth accessible um, in the Hayward area, which is good to see. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm for, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I recall I believe like the individual price to sign up was something around forty dollars. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, I, I think they. It seems like they want this one to just be a community tool, and and you know, if if there's people involved that aren't in it for the youth development, that's cool too. It seems like, but also to your point, definitely a way to continue to to grow their talent pool, grow their connections, and um, you know, it I, it only benefits the wolf pack to improve the soccer community in their town. So um, great that they're, that they're doing that. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully this, this rec league gets off to a, to a good start and, and lots of people are able to benefit from it. And, you know, Hayward, uh, they've been a lot of announcements in the last couple of weeks, uh, yeah, a lot going on. A lot on Twitter, Dom. Yes. Lots of tags, which I, which I don't mind because Twitter is, you know, there's a lot going on on Twitter. Sometimes I miss things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But um yeah, you know, a couple, just just a quick shout out, a couple signings that they announced the last couple of days that I was very impressed by. Uh, I know that they are very intent on competing for the title this year. Uh, and, and these signings uh, reflect that to me is they, they announced Mark Ferringer and uh, Malcolm Lumsden, who are both, they're both CSS uh, graduates, and they're actually also both Duluth FC or former Duluth FC players, they're both on the 2017 squad that that won the uh, North Conference, and then uh, Mali stayed on for another year after that, 2018. Um, both very talented players who ha- haven't, you know, they haven't been in the NPSL recently, but uh, they're they're very talented. Mali's actually also a, a like award-winning track athlete, uh, so uh, I guess that that's extra information for his what he can bring. But uh, you know, those sorts of signings, guys who've played a lot at this sort of level and maybe a little bit above this sort of level uh very uh very promising for for hayward when i mentioned that i thought they were interesting signings they they replied ensuring me that they they plan on taking it all home this year so uh for the for the wpasl folks uh watch out for hayward they are they are signing lots of lots of very dangerous people also north colorado just took the lead <laughs> so we might have a league one cup set happening live 
But uh, anyway, yeah, a lot of exciting stuff for Hayward for sure. Yeah, I mean, Hayward's a team that sort of like took that step into the elite of the Wapasa last year, um, obviously winning that regular season title. Um, Got to be a sour taste in the mouth, though, after winning the Connect Four Derby with Bateau during the regular season, where if you don't know, actually the winner got like a golden Connect Four as a trophy. Very, very cool. I think one of the yeah. best trophies in, in soccer. Uh, but they ended up falling to Bateau in that championship game on their home field. So um, obviously a little bit of sour taste in the mouth, a little bit of a, a boost to try to continue to take that next step um, as Bateau still has not been, uh, not been bested at the top of, at the top of the, uh, or at the, I guess the, the championship level. Um, they won the last two uh, Wapassal championships, even after sputtering a bit in the regular season last year, they put it together in the, uh, in the playoffs. So um, obviously Hayward, wants to put it together for the regular season and the playoffs this year. And uh, they're trying to make some signings to help make that happen. Um, Soda Soccer stories up right now at sodasoccer.com. Dom, you have a really good article up um, on a Minnesotan who just signed with Med City FC, but also has started for the U.S. Paralympic national team. Tell us a little bit about this. Yeah, this is, it's funny. So, okay. So this, this, Story is about a uh, Rochester native, Chileshi. Uh, uh, I'm not work, I, working on the last name still. Uh, Chetulangoma. <laughs> uh, I apologize. I'm still working on that one. It's a fresh. It's a fresh article. I haven't had time yet. But um, but he's this really talented kid. He has. Uh, he's 18. He's still in high school as we speak. He graduates in a couple of months, and uh, he has a cerebral palsy, and. Uh, he uh when he was in third grade he got this surgery that essentially allowed him to start getting into sports safely and uh ever since then he's gone on a soccer journey played for mayo high school in rochester and uh actually before he even got involved with med city which is how i kind of found out about him because they posted about him he had already gotten a foot in the door with the the u.s paranational team who uh, obviously field uh, differently abled athletes, which, which, which includes people with cerebral palsy. And uh, he's played two friendlies for them against England and Scotland. They beat Scotland. They lost 1-0 to England. And he's very hopeful to be involved in future official tournaments, including uh, the, uh, a World Cup that takes place this year, and then you know, particularly in the future, potentially Paralympic events. But he's a, he's a really talented young guy, very ambitious. He has all sorts of goals for where he wants to take take things he's you know one thing i'll just to reflect sort of the mind behind this guy uh he talked a little bit about uh you know he is uh zambian through his father his father's from zambia and uh talked about how you know when he's done with playing he wants to come like a, a ambassador of of uh para sports he wants to try and get Zambia to have a, a paranational team. Like he has a lot of plans. This is a guy that's thinking about a lot mm-hmm. of things, but he's also doing what he does very well. And, yeah. uh, and again, at the age of 18. So uh, it's a guy to watch out for. It's a guy to follow. I mean, just at every level, whatever happens with Med City this summer. So I really enjoyed talking to him. I appreciated his time and, and I appreciate he ended up being very happy with the article as well. And I heard a lot of uh, feedback that I was very glad to hear from all kinds of people about the article so far. And uh, yeah, just again, one of those guys, you know, obviously keep, keep an eye on how he does with Med City, but also just keep an eye on how he does 
in life because I think this is a guy that's just going to be doing all kinds of things, some of which might not even have to do with soccer. Uh, I think this is a guy with a lot of big plans. Uh, and also, by the way, check the article out because I learned a lot about what para soccer is like. I did not realize that was how different. My thing. If you didn't touch the on that, I was going to bring that up. That was the most fascinating part to me. It, you know, I, I'll give I'll give some quick things. Just that it, it's almost like futsal in the sense that it's a completely different sport. It's a completely mm-hmm. different sport, really. Um, and we talked about that a little bit actually. That's in the article as well. But uh, just just like so, quick things to blow your mind. You can roll the ball in instead of throwing it in. You can throw it in, but if you, for whatever reason, would rather roll in, you can roll it in. And there's no offside in para soccer. So the he tells a story about this. The striker can just like be in the goal. <laughs> like the striker can just like be on the goalkeeper and just and just wait yeah. for an opportunity. It's it's really interesting. It's a it's a whole different sport, and it, and it's seven aside also. So that that affects things, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, just a, I learned a lot, so uh, I, I hope that the readers learn a lot as well. And again, check this guy out. There's, you know, you'll 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 get his name from the article. You can look him up on on social media. And this is a guy that's, uh, this is a guy you're not going to not be be paying attention to. <laughs> he's going to be doing big things, and he's representing Minnesota, by the way, at the national team level, which is cool. You know, you talked about the mindset of him. He was talking more. One of my favorite parts of the articles. I mean, he's talking about like he kind of sees his time with the parrot team as like gives him an advantage. Yeah. With playing, you know, playing regular soccer. This is a kid with cerebral palsy and he's talking about potentially because he plays seven aside soccer for the para national team, having an advantage um, on the field against opened his mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's crazy, man. And it's, it's, it's really, really cool um really good article uh med city has a good one with him it'll be very very interesting to track his progress throughout the 2022 mpsl north season and see how much of an impact he can make down in rochester but if you have not checked this article out i mean i apologize for the language i know my mother-in-law listens to this podcast so i'm sorry cindy but this is good shit man like this is really really well done a really good insightful eye-opening type article about uh, a kid who's really kind of overcome the odds and, um, you know, has taken that next step into semi-professional soccer. Um, you know, I think it, it opens, it opens doorways. Obviously it's something he's somebody that a lot of people who maybe are in similar situations can look up to. Um, and it, again, you talk about it's, it sort of introduces a lot of us to the world of Paris soccer and what that is like too, which I think is, is awesome. So very good, well-rounded article. Dom, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't applaud you enough for putting that together, man. That's, that's really, really good. Yeah, I appreciate that. And, and, and yeah, again, you know, one thing, I don't want to spoil the whole article, but one thing he does mention um, was that when he was growing up, he knew that the Paralympics existed. Like he knew those sorts of things existed, but at a certain point, it just wasn't really something he looked for and uh, fully kind of understood. And, 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 you know, admittedly, sometimes it's hard to find those things on like TV and all that kind of stuff. It's not always easy to watch those events. So uh, he didn't really have that to look up to growing up. That wasn't like a source of inspiration really for him. He just kind of figured this out as he went. He actually found out about the para national team through social media. Um, yeah. Because the program's actually relatively new in this form. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one thing he talked about, and I kind of already said the Zambia thing with, with helping them, but there is, there is an aspect of all this. He, you know, it was interesting. He talked about he doesn't necessarily have aspirations to become like a professional soccer player. It's not really what he's trying to do. 
he, in the sense that he's on the national team, that's a former professional soccer, but he, he's, he's more interested in, in just the, 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 the ideas and the philosophy of it and the, the community of it. Um, and mm. so a lot of what he talked about is part of it is he just wants to make sure that kids aren't him anymore, that kids aren't lost without, you know, that, that source of inspiration anymore and that the next him can know earlier in life that they can do this and maybe take it further mm. uh, than he will. Because, I mean, he's 18, he's young, but he actually started quite, quite late in this process. So, um, yeah, again, just, just a really interesting guy. Just a really interesting guy. So I, I really encourage people to check it out. Definitely. So does soccer.com. Go check it out, please. Um, all right, Dom, it's now time to move into our top four. Now, we haven't done a top four in a while. Uh, but I was inspired this week by the, uh, again, the absolute traumatic experience that the Michigan Stars endured <laughs> on the field in Detroit. Um, so we're going to do our top four smoky things. Um, just really, really quick, uh, rapid fire here. Uh, we'll go, we'll go pad. I mean, if we have a particular order, we can do this. Otherwise, we can just sort of go padded style down four to one, or we can just kind of go random. But um, I will take the initiative and go first. Um, and again, these are really in no particular order. Uh, but the first thing on my top four list for smoky things is smoked ribs. There's nothing better than breaking out the smoker on a Sunday in the summer, maybe in the fall, break it out early in the morning and get all your ribs prepped. You put them on and then by four or five o'clock in the, in, in the evening when it's dinner time, you pull those things out. They're just falling off the bone. Incredible. Like ribs. That's like the one thing, like, it's the way it's best prepared and it's not even close is in the smoker smoked ribs over any other type of ribs any day. That's my number one. Absolutely. A uh, quick thing. You say the top four smoky things, but I see you've typed your top four sabotage weapons. No. That'll be next week. That'll be next week. My, my first one, I, I, so I didn't realize that's why you made this top four. So that my, the first one I'm going to say, this is not meant to be a joke about what this is a joke about. This just happens to be what my first one's going to be. But my first one's going to be fireworks. Uh, <laughs> mostly because I have a lot of good memories of fireworks. I, I'm from Wisconsin, which, as some may know, is a land that lights fireworks more than Minnesota, which is why you're allowed to have them more often. And uh, I, I just have a lot of great memories. I remember all sorts of things. I remember... When I graduated high school, I had a, a friend that went to the National Guard and we had like a, a going away party and we just lay at night and it was out in the country and we got these ridiculous, or the family got these ridiculous fireworks blowing up and a big thing. And we got that powder that changes the color of fire. It was a whole thing. I, I love that stuff. I don't do much of it myself, but I, I love that stuff. I think it's just, it's a very nostalgic to me. So that's my first one because I, I, I grew up in an environment that celebrated fireworks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to preface this one by saying I'm not an avid smoker, um, but the occasional cigar is like, you know, especially when it's like a celebratory occasion. Just had my bachelor party a few weeks ago. There was a cigar or two uh, that we had there. I'm sure I'll have one on my wedding day, um, wedding night, I should say, not during the day. Don't want to smell like smoke from actual <laughs> wedding, uh, wedding night. Uh, but, you know, to me, a cigar almost like signifies like a momentous occasion, somebody that's that's accomplished something celebratory, like I said, celebratory. Um, so in those situations, you know, I really sort of think of, you know, cigars, as, I think very, I think very fondly. Right. 
Um, and I'm not like a cigar snob, but I have, you know, had enough of different kinds of cigars that I kind of know good ones over bad ones. So if you can get like a really good cigar and the occasions right, it's just one of those, like, you look back on that, you're like, man, that was, that was a good, that was a good time. That was, that was a good moment. That was a good day. That was a good, whatever. Um, yeah. So cigar is my number two. Nice. I've never had a cigar, but I hear good things. So I, I, yep. I applaud. Um, my second one is like incredibly obvious for, for smoky items, but uh, is campfires. Again, it's like a nostalgia thing. It's just a great like way of having a community moment is a campfire. And I have many memories, whether it's friends or, or even at home or all different situations of like sitting around a campfire at night when it's unreasonably cold, but it, you kind of excuse it and you put like a, a sweater on or a, a coat or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously the fire keeps you a little warm. It's just like, it's just like a great bonding environment um, as simplistic as it is. And it's also like the original bonding environment. There's something about that, <laughs> you know, it's like literally the oldest form of that. So um, yeah, there's just something great and simple about, about campfires, bonfires, whatever it may be. Um, that uh, I haven't had, I haven't done in a while. So I guess I, you know, maybe I missed it a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, if you, if you haven't in a while, go have a campfire. Anytime there's a campfire or bonfire, there's inevitably that like game of chicken that happens as the campfire is starting to go out and people are getting colder and colder. It's yeah. like, who's <laughs> going to be the first to be like, I'm getting out of here. I'm going inside. I'm going yeah. to the tent. I'm going to bed. Like who's going to be that first to give in <laughs> and say, okay, I can't take this anymore. I'm going to go warm up. There's always sort of that, that uh little bit of a, I don't know, pissing contest, if you will. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it's, that's always interesting. I try not to be the first, but if, if people are, are out there and I'm freezing my butt off, I'm going to go. Uh, but anyways, I digress. Moving on to my third one, Smokey the Bear. I mean, only you can prevent wildfires, you know, like it's really... You know, that's one of like those like PSAs growing up. You know, you can you can like a lot of stuff growing up goes like in one ear and out the other. We're like, oh, don't do this, or you should do this, or it's gonna be like this when you get older, and you're like, okay, whatever. But like, I don't know, something about Smokey the Bear. I feel like it's like everybody remembers those PSAs or like Smokey the Bear, like watching those videos at school, or like Smokey the Bear coming to your school, or like whatever it is. Like that was always like super memorable and like so like that's always like the first thing i think of when i'm like out like either camping or like even in the woods it's like only i can prevent wildfires you know (laughs) it's like one of those like most memorable things like like one of the things that like you actually take that you will learn from your childhood and can like use to bring pot you know use in real life uh you know in your adult life so anyways smokey the bear that's a classic i don't know if those commercials still play or not i just don't watch enough like network tv to know but growing up you know through just i mean through our, both our childhoods and probably many others uh that those like commercials that that branding is just like burned into everyone burned word of the day uh into everybody's brain it's it's uh it's about as iconic as it gets um yeah. my third one because all my other ones feel like they're just literally things that produce fire so i want to do something that's a little different um is uh and and i'll explain why i think the smoke is my old car not because it caught on fire that's not how the story ends but uh my old car my car before the one i have now which i had from senior year high school to senior college um which was at one point nicknamed bobby not by me though uh it was red it was a liverpool reference it i I, it's it's whatever i just called it the car 
But um, I, I it was actually my sister's car briefly before mine. It was bought used, and um, I just have a lot of great memories of that car. It was like not great, but the engine sounded great. The whole thing shook a little bit too much when you had it on, but it was great. I love that car. It was my favorite piece of junk, but not it wasn't that bad. But it was kind of bad. Um, and uh, I, I mean, again, you can imagine senior high school, senior college, a lot of memories. Um, and it brought me a lot of places, and I drove it through to a lot of places. Uh, the reason I think I smoked is that, unfortunately, the reason the car went away was um, I realized that uh, I, needed, I needed a new brake pad, so I took it in for that because, you know, obviously I was hearing some, some sounds I wasn't supposed to be hearing, smelling some things I wasn't supposed to be smelling. And it uh, turns out the whole frame of it was just completely busted and rusted, and I, I, had, to, okay. I had to get rid of it. So I didn't know. It's a good thing. I might have. Had a really bad accident if I hadn't brought it. But uh, so my last memories of that that wonderful, not great car was a, a little bit of smoke coming out of the left front tire. But uh, shout out, shout out to Bobby. My car, my old car, did catch on fire, Dom. Oh, that's, that's how that thing. <laughs> there was a power steering fluid leak Ooh. that I did not know about, and uh, I'm. I was, I think it was in a Walmart parking lot. It's so like <laughs> I go into Walmart. Place for a car fire, really. <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm in Walmart, and all of a sudden I hear, "Well, the owner of a white Dodge Stratus, please report to the parking lot." And I'm like, "Uh, you know, it's an old car. Maybe it's smoking a little bit, or like whatever. You know, yeah. not a big deal." So I go out there, black clouds, like over and oh, then i like it had been like three minutes since i had gotten in the store and the police oh, wow. department the fire department everybody was already there so like credit to them wow. for like getting there and then i'm like walking toward the car and like this lady's being interviewed by the cops and she's like yeah there was just like there was like flames coming out from underneath the car i'm like oh my gosh <laughs> i didn't even know i didn't even get to see my car catch on fire it just it happened without me knowing it's wild and i evidently endangered this other lady um but anyways yeah so that's how my that's how my old car bit the dust it actually did catch on fire so there you go that's how that story ends <laughs> sad day it's a great story it's a great story sad day end of an era um Absolutely. my top my, my fourth and final smoky thing uh this is a, you know whatever a loose one but um i'm a big eric church fan <laughs> Um, and so there's a song called smoke a little smoke by Eric church. Really good jam. Big fan of that one. Uh, so that's, that's, that's my fourth. Nice. I probably should have thought of a song. Cause that's like, there's a lot of songs about smoking. Like Smokey Robinson. You got, you know, yeah. Uh, can't think of any other songs. That's all right. Well, there's a lot, more. but, but I'll, I'll go with, uh, what I was going to go with, which is just like, kind of a classic thing but there's like some familial whatever touches it's, it's just like i i enjoy a good candle they're great my brother growing up yep. loved candles he had a lot of candles so i was very associated with that through him and then now we got you know candles rising with my girlfriend and um they're just great they're like a great way to kind of reset um reset a day a little bit reset a, a zone a little bit and uh I yeah I don't know. There's something about a real candle. Also, I guess I guess the smoke part that applies more to this is like there's something about a real candle instead of like plugging stuff in and all that other stuff. Yeah, like real candles are different. They have a genuinely different, more like real effect on how you feel and how a room feels. So, um, shout out to candles. Go buy a candle if you don't have one. This podcast is brought to you by candles. 
It's not brought to you by candles. Yes, that's the title sponsor. Not not any particular candle brand. Just, no, just kind of them all. Yeah, just kind of all yeah. of them. Just go to a random place that you buy candles at and just say, hey, I heard you on the 10,000 Pitches podcast and just yeah. see how they react. Jeremy and Dominic brought me here. See what happens. Yeah, yeah they sent me. Yeah, they're oh, going to think anyways. you're going to hurt them, but it's going to sound really bad, but, but just go with it. Maybe we'll get a sponsorship out of it. Maybe, maybe, you know, just trying to open doors here at the 10,000 Pitches podcast. All right, that'll do it for this week's show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you to uh, Dom, as always. Appreciate you. Appreciate you co-hosting and jumping on with me and sticking around with me at 1038 on a Wednesday evening. I'm going to go to bed. I'm sure you are too. Uh, Got a busy day tomorrow. Um, Then also we'll have to edit this thing and post it before Friday morning. So if you're listening on Friday morning, we did some work here in post-production to get this thing up and ready for you. So be grateful for that. (laughs) But again, in all seriousness, thank you to everybody who listens and who is, you know, checking out the website and downloading and subscribing and just supporting us, even just following us on social media. All that support has been awesome. We really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, look for some cool stuff over the weekend as we get ready for Minnesota United in Austin, both pre-match and post-match. Um, and then, of course, we'll have post-loons, post-match as well. And then, of course, next Friday, you have trusty old Jeremy and Dom here back with you for another episode of 10K. Dom, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend, everybody. Bye.